haunted mayhem. This episode of Haunted Mayhem is being brought to you by author Tara Besser. Hello, and welcome to Haunted Mayhem. I'm your host, Brandy Nicole, and I'm here to share the mayhem one might face when they become a murderer. So, you might have noticed this episode's a little late. Like, it should have been released a month ago. Um, I did send out an email and made a post, but I know everyone doesn't see them. Thank you algorithm. Or, you know, you don't read every email you get going to aim in that because I am not the best at reading emails either. I'm a pro skimmer or title reader, but unless it's super important, I skim for details and move on. Um, but I know that that sucks, but it's the cold truth. Um, as a person who puts the newsletters together for my books and podcasts, yeah, I know that sucks, but I am my own worst enemy. Anyway, back to this episode being a solid month late and why I got COVID. Yay. Then my kids got it. Then my husband got it and it really never left us. Uh, I'm actually having symptoms. I'm still having symptoms. The worst of it, I'm over. But, like, I still get, like, achy and weak and winded. Um, Seriously, this virus does not want to let go. But let me tell you, I'm over it. Bye-bye. Scoot, scoot. See you later. But I can finally, you know, I was sick and unable to talk for a good week. and. Um, I thought about releasing the episode a week late, but I still had a cough and no one likes hearing someone hack in their ear. That's when I decided quality over timeliness, which really sucks when you're just starting, but it made sense. So I picked timely and now here we are a month later. I did. I didn't. It was terrible. To have to do that, like I said, you know, starting off, but, uh, it, it, life is, you know, life is life. That's what I tell my students. That's what I tell my kids. That's what I just tell everybody. Life anymore is crazy. It is chaotic. And, you know, life is life. You, you just gonna have to deal with whatever gets thrown at you. I didn't expect to go to school and one week later get COVID and then not be, and then deal with it for months after, but part of life now. Life is life. Okay. Let's see. Um, what else has been going on besides the plagues of snot? Oh yeah. The fair. Uh, that was, <laughs> that had been a little feathering fright getting my daughter ready to show her chickens. Uh, this was her first year ever being involved with anything fair-wise other than going for the food and the rides. I mean, I thought that was the big deal about the fair. You know, the food, the flashing lights, the stench of puke. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's gross. Uh, I'm just kidding. 
This year, though, the fair for our family, we got a new aspect of the fair, a whole new learning curve from learning about the ladies who take in all the crafts, which were also entered, and the many work days they endure to get it set up to the chickens, the goats, the cows. Well, it's definitely a process, um, but it was pretty cool to learn, see, and see that side of the fair versus just the ride and the foods, but it was a lot. So, and I'm sure we didn't learn all of it. So pretty excited about next year. What about you? What are your fair memories, food, rides, animals, meeting your first love? Let me know. Brittany Nicole at gmail.com. Uh, any Razorback fans? This past weekend was the Battle of the Boot. If you're not a Razorback fan, you don't know what that is. Or an LSU fan. That is our legendary rival game between LSU and the Arkansas Razorbacks. It's actually an interesting rivalry that dates back to 1901. And I did not know that till this last weekend. Um, needless to say, it's a big deal in Arkansas, and this weekend was a sad letdown. Arkansas had to let the trophy go to Louisiana for the next year, thanks to a three-point loss. Um, I will say, if you are a Razorback fan, I'm not going to name names or numbers, mostly because I'm bad with names and numbers, and I might get it wrong. No. My is not even a word. I will get it wrong because I am bad at names and numbers. Um, but there's one player like <laughs> he, you know, just needs to kind of sit down and just learn not to get in so much trouble. And maybe we would have kept the boots. But you know, they're not doing anything about it right now, even though they need to. So if you're not a Razorback fan, all you have to do is go look up like the most penalized player in Arkansas for 2023. And you'll know within 10 seconds what I'm talking about. <clears throat> All right, let's jump over to the recommendations corner recent book. Well, being sick gave me more reading time than usual. It also just happened that one of my favorite authors released a book in August. I've patiently been waiting on it all summer, and that book is A Tangle of Fate by Casey L. Bond. This is the third book in Bond's Wishes trilogy, and I am absolutely in love with this series. It's witchy, it's romantic, and it's action-packed. If you haven't checked out Casey's books, I highly recommend them. Uh, she's on Facebook, she's on Instagram, she's on TikTok. Um, so I would definitely be checking her out. She is so fun. Um, I also recommend that you tune into the Once Upon a Podcast Network. There are a ton of shows on their network to choose from, so you're guaranteed to never get bored. I know I don't. On Unpause Life, the ladies test their strength and grace at a pole dancing class. Fun. And find out they both come up short on both. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would come up short too. Probably wouldn't even get off the ground. On Mimesis hits the highlights as Stacy and Sandra revisit some of their previous episode, including their first episode, Jaws. That'd be fun. 
hitting highlights, going back, doing a whole behind. Oh, that'd be so fun. All right, get behind the scenes with a bit of boo as Stacy and Rue talk about some of the most cursed movie sets. Those are always fun. I love learning about those small facts. On Starlight Tea, Christy and Belinda serve the tea on pumpkin spice and decorating for Hallow Thanksmas. While those two subjects are weirdly controversial and how they can lend us, lead us into shadow season. Test your strength and tenacity with the genuine creative. And I'd like to give a big welcome to the latest show to the network, Audio Dra- Drama Sunday Theater. Nice. Welcome. All right. So it's time to shift gears and move on to while we're here, the murder and the mayhem that followed. He wanted fame and fortune to be the best rapper around. His best option to rise to fame was murder. On August 19th, 2010, he would put his plan into action by murdering his first victim in hopes for the spotlight. Later in an interrogation, he is quoted saying, I had this idea, if I killed someone, I'd be a really good rapper. People talk about that killer stuff all the time. Today, I am covering the story of Adrian Dow, the once wishful rapper turned into an axe murderer. Uh, okay. So I'm going to start off by saying like, you, we can't be killing people for advancements. Um, especially like spotlight advancements because that's bad. Um, you're going to get caught. Okay. Uh, if you think that's what's going to get you fame or fortune, you probably shouldn't be doing what you're doing because you're not that talented if it takes murder or maybe you're not marketing right. Maybe instead of murdering someone, you should like check out your marketing plan. Maybe get a little input on that. What's going on? Cause I don't think bloodshed is it. But anyway, let's set the scene. In August 19th, 2010, Adrian Dow had aspirations to become a rapper. Now he's a prisoner. Um, he wanted to be worldwide. The thing is, he isn't. Dow will later confess to what many specialists believe was ca- caused by a mental illness to hearing voices. Dow would say he heard voices through the radio giving him instructions to kill. He even heard them through a McDonald's advertisement one night. Talk about a killer Whopper. No, wait, that's Burger King. About killer McNuggets. Oh, no. Late that night on August 19th, Dow was hoping to trade his life as a dishwasher and crack dealer for that of a billion billionaire rap star. So he lured the frail and tiny Jennifer Stewart. At just 80 pounds, she was an easy target. He lured her on the pretext of a bogus drug deal in an Alice Street parking lot only to kill her in a surprise axe attack. Okay, so for one, we can't just, you know, make this quick. Just do a little quick murder. No, he's got to go above and beyond. And he's going to attack her with an axe. Um, 
it, it later come out that, you know, she had defensive wounds. She tried to fight back. But, like, dude, seriously? Look, can, can we get any, you know, more out of control? Um, he then said he hopped out about five backyard fences to get home. Each time lobbing the bloody axe over the fences. Could you imagine looking out your backyard and seeing some dude throwing an axe over your fence and then hopping over and then running into the neighbors? I mean, what? I'm terrified. 911 for sure. He said he lost the axe after scaling the first fence and that it took about four minutes to find it in a vegetable garden. He said he went home and threw his clothes and the axe in a garbage bag. When he looked in the bathroom mirror, he said he was surprised he didn't have any blood spatter on him. Well, geez, how lucky. He told police he showered, then returned to the scene of the crime to see if anyone was looking around. He then said he went to smoke a joint on a back path only to be haunted by Stewart's ghost flying by him. Well, I'm glad he got his joint smoked. I'm sure after all of that, he was going to need one. Really? Um, the killing of the Cree mother went unsolved until Dowie confessed three years later after being in solitary confinement at the Ottawa Carleton Detention Center. He told police he wanted a bigger cell in federal, federal prison to work on his rap lyrics and said he wanted to kill so he could nail down the real killing rhymes. Um, that's play some video games. I mean, how many of those are out there now? I know my boys play. Oh gosh. If I, if I get asked one more time for COD points, V bucks or anything like that, I swear I'm just going to like lose my mind. I don't know. I don't know what I'll do, but like, it's like every day I need this gun. So I know there are games that we can play to get kind of get like a feel for, I mean, like I write about witches and stuff and about, um, vampires, but I ain't going to suck on anybody's neck. So, you know, there's a thing with imagining it and a thing with experiencing it. Murder ain't going to help you experience lyrics. Mm -mm. No, no. Uh, the first degree murder case against Dowie is anchored in his February 2013 confession to police after spending 22 days in solitary confinement at the notorious Inns Road Jail, where he was serving a sentence for a drug conviction. It would be the first in a series of confessions. Dow first said he used a military knife to kill Stewart when, in fact, the police theory was that she was killed with an axe. Police didn't recover the weapon and had no DNA linking Dow to the killing. He has since said he, in fact, killed with an axe that he bought at a Canadian tire store. Police were unable to secure security, security video of the transaction, and Dow said he paid cash for the weapon. Dow was happy to be out of solitary confinement and down at the Ottawa Police Service headquarters on Aline Street. After being fed through a hatch in solitary confinement, the food, drink, and hospitality in interrogation room 216 was, in his own words, awesome. Yay, I'm glad he had that awesome moment so he could confess to murder. Dal even told detention, Detective John Monette 
that he was like his best bud in the world. He felt right at home. You're in a police interrogation. How can you feel at home? Yes, I do believe this dude had some screws. There was Pepsi, too many coffees, and then right after he was given his right to contact a lawyer, pizza. Wonder what kind they had. Maybe a little pepperoni, some sausage. I know those mushrooms and stuff, they really bring out those confessions. Mm -hmm. After the confession, Dow was charged with murder in the first degree. He again found himself in solitary confinement at the Ottawa jail and was desperate for a transfer to a bigger cell in federal prison. So nine days after offering his confession, Dow confessed to another murder. Only this time the would-be rapper would be shut down. Uh, while he might have thought it was cool to keep racking up, maybe become a serial killer, the Ottawa police were like, we don't buy it. We already have DNA evidence that doesn't link you to this and you will not be charged. The bizarre motive has been explored in detail at trial with assistant Crow attorney Louise Tansy telling the jury that Dow wanted more in life, something beyond washing dishes and selling crack. He wanted to be a rap star. He believed that murder would open a door to that world. He wanted to get paid, as he put it. He believed being a killer would help him achieve his goal. Um, if your goal was to be a prison rapper, you made it, dude. Yay! Dow, now 32, has pleaded not guilty to the vicious axe killing of Stewart. Prosecutor told the jury that Stewart tried in vain to defend herself. When her body was discovered in a parking lot by a dog walker the next morning, August 20th, her wrists were almost severed and her skull was shattered. Dow has aspired to be more. He wanted infamy. He desired respect. And so, on February in February 2013, while serving a sentence for drug dealing, Dow decided to reveal the identity of Jennifer Stewart's killer and claim the notoriety he craved. The prosecutor then read an excerpt from a transcript of Dow's videotape police confession. I'm not happy with it, but I just have to take my responsibility and tell people like who I really am. Yes, I killed for my own gain, Dow told police. You killed for your own gain. Well, that's what you were thinking, but... You actually didn't gain anything. Um, you actually kind of, you know, sealed yourself up even more. Uh, Dow represented himself and had Samantha Robinson as his side lawyer, whatever the uh, miscus, with Ontario Superior Court Justice Kevin Phillips presiding. He talked about delusions and hallucinations when advancing his defense that he wasn't in the right state of mind to know what he was doing was wrong. None of it mattered, though. The juror ultimately found him guilty of first-degree murder, as they should have. Now, there's been some controversy over this. Um, there were a lot of people who, if you read in the comment section, and even by doing some like Google searching, they actually believe that he didn't do it. Um, that the, that the real murderer got away, which is interesting. 
Um, and it's, it, there's a lot of conspiracy on it and it kind of gets you to thinking, but their, their thought, their main thought process on this is he never, he told details that were wrong and he, there was, there was no DNA evidence. The details were wrong. There was so much wrong about it. And he finally confessed to an ax, but he was persuaded to say ax in the confession, uh, when he got it wrong. So, I mean, there's a lot of back and forth with it. The, the only thing is when he was in, so, so here's where the mayhem comes in. Okay. Other than this guy and his sick dream of fame, which was mayhem in itself. Um, according to guards during testimony, Dow could be heard screaming for Stewart to leave him alone. Dow later would confess that Stewart's ghost haunted him several times a day. So this was before his confession when he heard, or when he was saying Stewart's name, when he was locked up for drugs. So he knew Stewart's name. He was saying it in prison over and over every single day. And 22 days after being arrested for drugs, he says, Hey, you know what? I'm going to confess. So it's kind of like her ghost was like haunting him is what it sounded like. And he confessed, but then you come over here with these people who are like, but did he really do it? How do we not know that? He, yeah, he did hallucinate and he does have these problems, but what if he's taking, um, what if he's saying, yeah, I'm the killer to get claim for that murder, even though he didn't do it. So he could still be a famed rapper. Um, that makes sense too. So I'm kind of like, <clears throat> did he do it? And did Stuart haunt him until he confessed? Um, did he not do it? And he just wanted to go ahead and get some fame by saying he did it since no one was confessing to it. I mean, what do you think? I mean, it's interesting when you look at either aspect because when he was in solitary confinement and he could be heard saying her name, we don't know that he didn't see her name in the paper or was thinking about it. And you know, like, Oh, I'm never going to be a rapper. Uh, I've got to do something. I've got to fix this. And he comes up in those 22 days, this elaborate scheme. And he never did actually kill her. It was somebody else. Or did he actually kill her? And his bizarre motive was so far-fetched that it all just sounds crazy. What do you think? Let me know. Nicole at gmail.com. Because I'm, I'm, I can see it either way. Like, claiming it so you can have the title because you thought about it anyway. Or actually doing it because you want the title. So it's, it's very weird. It's very weird. But there we go. That is the story of Adrian Dow, the would-be axe murderer, would-be rapper, prisoner, whatever. <laughs> All right. Switching gears to your hometown haunts. 
This week, I'm only going to be doing one because it's rather interesting and it's really long. But I think you're going to enjoy it. So our other hometown haunt is of the Bunny Man. Uh, a fan had emailed in and requested that I look up this legend. It is a local legend from where they're from. And it is about the Bunny Man. So... According to Wikipedia, the Bunny Man is an urban legend that originated from two incidents in Fairfax County, Virginia in 1970, but has been spread throughout the Washington, D.C. and Maryland areas. The legend has many variations. Most involve a man wearing a rabbit costume who attacks people with an axe or hatchet. Okay, I'm so getting Five Nights at Freddy's vibes here. Most of the stories occur around... Colchester Overpass, a southern railway overpass spanning Colchester's road near Clifton, Virginia, sometimes referred to as Bunny Man Bridge. Versions of the legendary uh, versions of the legend vary in the Bunny Man's name, motives, weapons, victims, description of the bunny costume or lack thereof, and sometimes even his possible death. In some accounts, victims' bodies are mutilated, in, and in some variations, the bunny man's ghost or aging specter is said to come out of his place of death each year on Halloween to commemorate his passing. Well, that is interesting. I Okay, so I'm going to have to read more into this because I really have got to know Um. A, why, oh, here, here's the, oh, origin. I really kind of want to read this. Um, let's see if we can skim this. Um, the first, okay. So Fairfax County Public Library historian Brian A. Conley extensively researched the Bunny Man legend. He has located two incidents of a man and a rabbit costume threatening people with an axe. The vandalism reports occurred 10 days apart in 1970 in Burke, Virginia. The first incident was reported the evening of October 19, 1970 by U.S. Air Force Academy cadet Robert Bennett and his fiance, who were visiting relatives on Guinea Road in Burke. Around midnight while returning from a football game, they reportedly parked their car in a field on Guinea Road to visit an uncle who lived across the street from where the car was parked. As they sat in the front seat with the motor running, okay, I really don't think they were visiting. I think they were sitting in the front seat with it. Well, we know what was going on. Anyway, they noticed something moving outside the rear view. Moments later, the front passenger window was smashed and there was a white clad figure standing near the broken window. Bennett turned the car around while the man screamed at them about trespassing, including you're on private property and I have your tag number. As they drove down the road, the couple discovered a hatchet on the car floor. When the police requested a description of the man, Bennett insisted he was wearing a white suit with long bunny ears. However, Bennett's fiance contested their assailant did not have bunny ears on his head, but was wearing a white capper coat of some sort. They both remembered seeing his face clearly, but in the darkness, they could not determine his race. The police returned the hatchet to Bennett after examination. 
The second reported sighting occurred on the evening of October 29, 1970, when construction security guard Paul Phillips approached a man standing on the porch of an unfinished home in Kings Park West on Guinea Road. Phillips said the man was wearing a gray, black, and white bunny costume and was about 20 years old, 5 feet 8 inches tall, and weighed about 175. The man began chopping at a porch post with a long-handled axe saying, You are trespassing. If you come any closer, I'll chop off your head. The Fairfax County Police opened investigations into both incidents, but both were eventually closed for lack of evidence. In the weeks following the incidents, more than 50 people contacted the police claiming to have seen the bunny man. Several newspapers, including the Washington Post, reported that the bunny man had eaten a man's runaway cat. The Post articles that mentioned this incident were Man in Bunny Suit Sought in Fairfax, The Rabbit Reappears, Bunny Man Seen, Bunny Reports Are Multiplying. Oh my god. Okay. Bunny reports. I love how they just keep, instead of man in bunny suit, they're like, bunny, man seen. Bunny reports are multiplying. That is great. Oh my gosh. Now, like, I need to find this person. I want to know why. Okay. Dude, we all go a little crazy. What made you pick a bunny suit? Because that is great. I mean, most people, when they're going to pick suits to scare people and, like, use axes and machetes and stuff, they're going to use stuff that is top-notch scary. Maybe maybe not even top-notch scary. Let's say a wolf costume, um, just a black ski mask, something a little intimidating, a bunny costume. For one, I love it. I love how insane bunny reports skyrocketing (laughs) like that's great um but what made you choose a bunny costume that is so interesting and we will never know well i mean don't never don't say never but man that's so cool okay so if you were gonna scare people what costume would you wear would you wear a costume would you have weapons what are your weapons I need these facts. Um, right off the top of my head, if I was going to wear a costume out in the middle of the woods just to scare people, and now I'm thinking all I can think about is, <laughs> is a bunny costume. Um, I wouldn't want to do an animal because then, like, like a bear suit or something because then they would shoot me. Um, I don't know. I want to say unicorn now because it's all I can think about is the bunny. Oh my gosh, that's great. So you tell me, tell me what you would do because my mind is just picturing that bunny holding a machete being like, you're trespassing. Oh my gosh, freaking awesome. It's crazy. Bunny rabbit costume. Mm. I love urban legends. Oh my gosh, I love urban legends. Um, My favorite urban legend where I live is the Dover Lots. Um, actually wrote a book about the Dover Lots fiction book. Um, it's paranormal suspense called Deep in the Hollow. But that story, I'll have to I'll have to cover it sometime. But it is so intense. And if you've never heard of the Dover Lots, you should look it up. But yeah, Urban Legends, send them to me. 
Or do you have a hometown haunt to share? A murder gone wrong? An urban legend that haunts your town? A crazy grandpa who sits and tells fables that could be true? Who's to say? Send them in and let them be heard. BrandyNicole at gmail.com Thanks for tuning in to another haunting episode. Until next time, friends. Bye. Haunted Mayhem.